We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast. Happy Inauguration Day. Um, Church bells are ringing. Dogs are singing. People are shouting in the streets. (laughs) I don't think dogs can sing, but they would be if they could because they got Major Biden in the White House today. It's in inauguration. Anyway, (laughs) moving on from that, I hope you guys are having a very great Wednesday. Not only do we get a new president and VP today, but we also get a new loudmouth episode, which is truly just American history. And I know everyone's thinking about that today instead of, you know, President Joe Biden. But today I actually have a very special guest with me. I have one of my favorite personal trainers who am I kidding my only personal trainer ever uh Clay Stacy on today and he talks about um you know being in the social work field and also being a fitness instructor he is in St. Louis right now working for Barnes Jewish Hospital as a clinical supervisor and is also a fitness instructor and personal trainer at True Fusion STL um but he was one of the people who got me really into and motivated in my fitness routine, my friend Rhett took me to him to one of his bar classes, and then all of a sudden we would go wake up at 5 a.m. to go see Clay, you know, tell us to move around and do moves that we hated and groan and get mad at for. But I'm so excited to ha- excited to have him on today because he truly is so inspirational and he does so many things and so much good for the community and talks about mental health. So I so I hope you enjoyed this episode today. Make sure that you listen all the way through and follow him on his social media. It's at Clay Richard. It's at it's Clay Richard on Instagram, but he says it at the end. I'll have it linked in the bio. And yeah, enjoy this episode. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your name, everything you do, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so my name is Clay Richard Stacy. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I have my master's degree in social work as well. Um, and aside from that, I also am a fitness instructor and personal trainer. <clears throat> I teach bar and different variations of bar as well as TRX. I've been doing that for almost five years now, which is crazy because it feels like it was just yesterday. <laughs> um, and I, I also, I've kind of dabbled in being a professor for a few semesters. I've done so for, I think, four semesters now. 
I've taught at a Missouri State University um, within the School of Social Works Department, um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, my end goal in life is to get my doctorate in social work to then teach um, and get tenure and continue to educate the next generation of clinicians and social workers. Um, so it's kind of a nutshell of like me, I suppose. How you got into the social work field, like so, how you decided. Yeah, so when I was in high school, I went to a performing arts high school and my focus there was more so like musical theater, like theater and dance, like ballet, jazz, tap, hip hop, modern and acting and singing. Um, I wanted to be in the arts, but um, wasn't really good at the arts. I mean, I can dance. I love to dance. I can carry a tune, but that's a very competitive field. Um, and the job market isn't very long lasting. So I enjoyed my time at that performing arts high school. But when I was about 15, well, actually, let me go back a bit. So when I was in, I want to say maybe the sixth or seventh grade, um, there was an organization that was from St. Louis um, called KUDO, and it stands for Kids Under 21, and it was a crisis hotline that was catered to youth, and it was answered by youth, and they came to our school to talk about suicide prevention, um, and ever since that meeting or, or that day in sixth grade, I knew I wanted to volunteer for them and answer the phones and just be be a guide and be of some assistance. Um, the cool thing about that organization though is that yes, it's staffed by youth, but it's monitored by licensed professionals. So LCSWs, LPCs, all of those amazing um, people in that field would assist that youth worker with answering the phone. Um, and sometimes you would get, you know, like I'm pregnant or I've been bullied or um, I've been kicked out of the home and you kind of be the acting broker. You'd give them resources, you'd talk with them kind of about their problems. And I did that for three or four years um, leading up into college. Um, and I was, I guess I involved myself so much that they, they even gave me a scholarship going to, to go to college, which was an amazing opportunity, an amazing, yeah. amazing um, opportunity that I was able to kind of take part of. Um, but so that's kind of what helped shape my role or my understanding of, you know, social work or just what I wanted to do with my life. I really enjoyed talking to people and I really enjoyed walking them through their problems um, and just kind of giving them that light or that sense of hope. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, and so I knew going into college, that's kind of the route I wanted to take. Um, my undergrad is actually in sociology, which I find to be a great stepping stone or a good foundation um, to, to any field because the basis of what we do as people is we study people, we connect with people, we're around people all the time. Mm -hmm. So by you know understanding the concept of sociology, that was a really great foundation for me going into my master's program because I learned a lot of theory and how to apply that theory to the various contexts of people's lives. Um, so that was really cool to be able to grasp and learn and kind of understand. And, you know, from someone who went to college for the very first time from with my immediate family, um, that four years of undergrad was really challenging and really hard for me because I, I was, you know, doing on my own. I really didn't have a guide or someone that I could follow, you know, back on for, you know, for advice. Um, I was a go-getter in high school, and so I wanted to apply that same mentality in undergrad, but I knew going in that there was no other option for me. I had to finish it, and I had to move on to that next thing. 
Um, and so I pushed through. I finished in four years. Then right after I finished, I went straight to grad school. So when did you volunteer for um, the crisis hotline? Yeah, so so that they only allowed you to start volunteering at age 15 and a half. Okay. So once I was 15 and a half, that's when I ventured as a crisis worker, I guess yeah. you'd say. That's so, so awesome, about, though. About 15, yeah. Was it terrifying doing that? I feel I like... Mean, there was a lot of like a lot of training leading up to it and it was a lot of fun to work because you're, I was with other youth who kind of had that same mentality as myself and the director I believe her name is Elizabeth Malnick I may be pronouncing her last name incorrectly so that's not the greatest <laughs> but um she really trained all of the staff well and all of the support staff that were with the youth again were already licensed individuals or had numerous years of training to be able to provide that service and were, were great supports. And I learned a lot from those people. And so really those people is who inspired me to get my degree in social work and pursue licensure. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, how did you decide on um, your schooling? You went to Missouri State, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, I okay. went to Missouri State because I was given a scholarship that paid for tuition, books, and fees. Um, I had to pay for housing um, but the rest was covered. Yeah, so that, and that was the biggest scholarship I earned across the state. So I just decided to go to Missouri State because that was a really nice scholarship that they offered me and didn't want to decline it. So yeah, of course. Whenever I went to Missouri State, it's kind of funny because when you think of the southern tip of Missouri or the southern, southwest tip of Missouri, you know, it's, it's really rural and it, it's not as big as, say, Kansas City or St. Louis or even Columbia. Um, but when I stepped foot on that campus, I just knew that I was going to fit in. I was going to be accepted. I was going to be welcomed. I was going to be, you know, affirmed. Um, and the first year was hard. I mean, I was getting to know myself as well as getting to know others. But then I kind of just flourished um, and really took took off from from there and really enjoyed campus life and college life and. I really, really enjoyed it. And it was a really good place to call home for a while. So when you decided to go, so you went to grad school for social work, right? Was that yes. the, okay. Well, so when you decided yes. to go, how did you, like, did you just kind of knew you were gonna continue with Missouri so State or did you? It was either that or the Peace Corps. And I applied for Peace Corps um, and I did not get placed. So then my plan B was grad school. Okay. Um, and so then I just applied, I got accepted. And then right after I graduated from undergrad, two weeks of break, I went straight into uh, that, that, that summer program and really didn't take a break since. So now I'm taking a break and just working full time, but um, I was in college consistently for six years. That's crazy and then did you hold a job during those times too um and yes i hold i held a job the entire time i was in school it, it wasn't full time obviously it was always yeah. part time and a lot of my work was on campus so i was i worked in like data entry for a while um i worked at the child development center for a while as a your preschool teacher assistant um i worked at panera for a, a long while aldo shoes for a long while i mean i worked at a variety of places yeah um and then once I got to grad school through my various practicum sites, um, I was in hired full time after or post grad school. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So your so what was your first 
job post-grad? So my first job post-grad school was at Foster Adopt Connect, which is a non-for-profit for youth that kind of are, are, are seeking services for, for adoption. Um, they provide a lot of resources to families in need who are fostering and wanting to adopt children. Um, my role was, uh, when I first entered the program as a practicum student was as a behavioral interventionist. So I was housed in a family's home for 20 to 30 hours a week doing brain-based interventions to help the youth kind of learn and adapt to their new family and to, you know, to kind of understand their trauma. And more importantly, to provide resources to the parents on how they can kind of help their youth or how kind of help their children um, adapt to their new environment and kind of make those relationship connections and kind of learn about others in a more appropriate and safe way through, again, biological or neurological stimulation to kind of help the brain connect to various parts of one's environment. Um, and I just kind of helped be that guide for that, for that youth. Um, and I did that for a year. And then I was hired on as a case manager to oversee that program. So then I hired and I placed employees into clients' homes for you know a variety of uh, of reasons, um, kind of depending on what the what the needs of that child was. And then I saw that program. I oversaw that program for about a year. And then I was promoted to assistant manager of permanency programs, which then I oversaw two more programs plus my own program plus another case manager. And I did that for almost a year but I really wanted more clinical experience, which is then why I switched over to work at the Victim Center, which is a non-for-profit working with children and families who are victims of violent or sexual crime. And so then I was a children's therapist for a year there doing play therapy, trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, um, all of the therapies, um, <laughs> kind of working with children, kind of help them relearn their trauma um, or kind of help them manage their trauma. Um, and then I also taught parents kind of what's called CPIT, which is child-parent interaction therapy, to kind of help them learn to kind of do play therapy at home so that that, consistent, that, that, that consistency within their life remains um, so they can continue to get support from both the parents and the therapists, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's kind of a glimpse of my life post-grad school. And then I wanted to move on from that um, and kind of gain more leadership ability. And so by doing, by wanting that, I then transitioned over to Burl Behavioral Health where I worked at the Youth Focus Clinic. I was their intake specialist plus outpatient therapy provider. So I ran groups for kids as well as individual therapy for kids. Um, and I, I did all the intakes for them to come into the clinic and into the program. And that was a multi-dimensional or multi-disciplinary clinic in that I myself as a licensed therapist would kind of do the intakes, oversee therapy, our psychologist would do all of our psychological evaluations, and then our pediatrician would oversee medication management. So us three kind of worked together to oversee treatment across the board for all those kiddos. Um, and I was there for a year. Um, and then I decided that I needed to be back home for personal reasons. And I just wanted to kind of get out of Springfield, kind of let my wings fly and just kind of expand more into, you know, bigger, bigger city involvement. Yeah. And now you're overseeing a lot of people, right? In, yeah. So now know? I'm at Barnes, Barnes Jewish Hospital, and I am in their adult behavioral health department. So I oversee um, about eight clinicians that, again, do a variety of roles from case management to community support to therapy to, you know, all kinds of, of, of services that kind of help give those clients um, and kind of meet their meet their needs. Yeah, so you really, you're kind of dabbling in everything that 
working with the patients and then kind mm-hmm. of moving to more man- managerial and overseeing departments and now overseeing people, which is really cool. What do you think like your favorite, I know you haven't been in this role for super long, but mm-hmm. what do you think your, you know, what's your favorite part about when you were, you know, working with children one-on-one and then so on and so this, forth in other jobs? By being able to see them grow. Like there were several kids I worked with for over three years um, throughout my various roles. A couple of those clients st- like stayed with me. And so I really watched them grow and learn all these new interventions and really learn how to manage their, their, their behaviors in a very appropriate and productive way. And that was really cool to see, um, seeing kids have no coping skills to then have several coping skills and then to be able to actually use those skills and hear from their parents or their guardians that, you know, it's working. Um, it's pretty amazing. And then every time I would just see a kid that, you know, was, you know, bright and excited to see me was also a privilege because that, that means that they were looking forward to that. So I must be doing something, something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was really exciting as well. And of course there were some kids that didn't want to come to therapy, but again, you're going to have that in every population that you work with. And just by, by still being that bright light for them, you can give them more than what you think you're giving them. Um, and so with, with me, it was always wanting to be consistent um, with the people that I was seeing. So it, it was hard transitioning over to St. Louis because I had to leave those kids behind. Um, but I knew what was in my best interest and moving to St. Louis was what was best. And yeah, opportunity there was was huge and the ability to grow and be back home with family was was what I wanted. So and you know I, I mean, mean, yeah, you had been in Springfield for like almost ten years. Almost That's 10 crazy. Years. Whenever um you worked with kids, how old were they? Were there various um, ages? So very I mean, really ranging from, you know, across my various roles, um, two years old to you know, twenty-five years old. Um, I've, I saw adults, adolescents for various concerns, various problems, um, and really enjoyed really enjoyed that work. Which do you think is favorite working with younger kids or adults? I mean, I wouldn't say I have a favorite per se. I just enjoy being able to really shape lives of youth mm-hmm. so that they can grow up and not have the problems that you know adults have today. Yeah. Because um, by, by you know going to therapy at a very young age, you're really giving them the ability to learn how to manage their own problems. You're giving them the ability to connect and establish relationships and kind of learn social skills and learn, you know, learning ways to behave across environments. Um, and not every child has that, has that skill set or was given the opportunity to practice that skill set at a very young age. And so my hope is that they can remember these skills as they you know, continue to get older and really help them shape them into you know, appropriate and healthy adults what do you think like the most challenging part about being in social work for you specifically is Hmm, that's a really good question (laughs) I mean I guess I'm my own worst critic in in that sense and I'm always hard on myself so if I'm not doing something the correct way or if I'm not you know if I don't know something to to a T um, or if I'm not explaining something correctly I tend to get aggravated with myself as, oh, I could have said that better. Oh, I could have done that differently. But that's my like, more so like my own personal, you know, yeah. deficit or, or, or challenge. I would say like in general, as far as, you know, social work, like people have this understanding or idea of social work that like, you're there to take people's kids away or that you, you know, you're, you're a baby snatcher. Um, but social work is such a broad field. Like there's so much that you can do 
with a master's degree in social work from hospice to clinical case management to therapy to you know working in, in, in a hospital setting you know outpatient discharge planning um trauma work um crisis work um i mean the the the, the opportunities for social workers is, is endless um and it's a federally protected term so if you want to you know work in a social work position you have to be a social worker which is also a really cool cool thing because you have to be trained and given you know that skill set to be able to do the work that is required of you um so i mean that's also why i love the field is the, the the code of ethics that we have as social workers is very clear um and so you really know what to do as far as like following that correct path mm -hmm. because you want to help the most vulnerable you want to be able to give people the resources and the tools that they need, but you also want to help them and teach them across the process. So you want to be able to give them the skills to help themselves. Yeah. And so that's just a really cool, cool feeling. And just to be able to do that with the knowledge I have um, and to be able to offer people something that they may not know within themselves is a good feeling as well. So kind of like switching gears, but I think it kind of nicely like ties into this how did you end up getting involved with like the fitness world like how did you yeah. start your own so, personal journey mm -hmm. and all that that i'm very fortunate to to have um because i started that journey um when i was about 23 24 um and i've always been involved in fitness i always had a personal trainer or someone there to kind of help amp me up but i never really took that next push or that that next level of you know learning the anatomy and kind of why you're doing the, the the things you're doing kind of what it means and what it targets and what it does for the body um i was at physique fitness for a year um under darby who is who was the owner of physique fitness and she really kind of took me under her wing um and trained me gave me the skill set that she has a pretty intensive training too i mean i trained with her for six seven months before i taught my first class and so we went over the, the basics of bar. I kind of had to relearn a lot of those, you know, ballet techniques that I learned in high school. Um, and then just kind of continued, I continued to take classes with her and other instructors. And the more you take classes, fitness group classes, or the more that you connect with other instructors, the more you can learn kind of help shape your own kind of way to teach. And throughout the years I've, I've kind of adapted, you know, what I learned from this person and what I learned from that person to really help make me the, the instructor that I am today. So I just, I walked into physique fitness one day and said, hi, I want to teach here. And <laughs> Darby so happened to be there and she gave me a tour and just loved that I was a, a go-getter and I just walked in and I asked and I asked questions and she was able to give me those resources and those connections I wanted. And I trained with her. And at the time there was only one other male instructor and from there, I just kind of built up a client database and worked with clients and, you know, created my persona. And I guess it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. So when you, like, when did you start your own personal fitness journey to kind of lead you to that point too? So I would say it was probably about that same time. So as a fitness instructor, I wanted to walk the walk and talk the talk. So I really wanted to you know, put, put, put emphasis behind the things I was saying. So I wanted to leave or live a healthy life. And if I'm telling people to be healthy, I have to do the same. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to really focus on my own strength and my own abilities and my own, you know, areas in which I can improve. And I put the energy and drive and determination into my body, into my physique. Mm 
And from that determination got me to where I am today. Um, and I'm the type of person when I want something, I want it. And there's no other, like my mind's not going to change. Yeah. So, um, I put a lot of energy into it. And then that energy manifests itself into whatever, you know, whatever it does. And that's what brought me here. So. Yeah. So whenever, so you started teaching classes, when did you start doing more like personal training and one-on-one? So I really didn't do a lot of one-on-one until COVID hit um, because the, the studio that I was at at the time, Live Pure Yoga, they had closed just wow. like all the other studios mm-hmm. around us. And the city of Springfield was allowing people to do one-on-one training or you could, you could have your studio open, but only for, you know, long periods of time or as long as you could remain that social distance. And so doing one-on-ones was then my next go-to because I couldn't teach classes. So I was doing personal training to kind of help those people still get in shape, but also still, you know, keep their body moving, keep the, keep their body going as well. Do you think during that time of COVID, you lost any of your motivation or your drive to work out and fitness relations? No, or it was hard to work out at home. But I was throughout the throughout the entire pandemic, I was still teaching classes virtually. Yeah. So for the month or two that we were quarantined, I was still teaching three or four virtual classes a week. And I was in my closet sometimes, I was outside sometimes, I was out at different stores sometimes that were connected to my to my loft. Um, and I just taught from my phone and taught from from Zoom and taught from Instagram and Facebook. And I think that really helped me continue um seeing other people really tap into that resource and actually attend those classes and you know you know work out with me while i'm teaching virtually was really cool to see and i think that kind of helped me move forward i mean there was people that were following me in california quebec um mexico and like all over the world attending these classes and so that really gave me inspiration to continue and kind of push forward yeah honestly during that time like I was so worried about losing because I mean, I'd been taking your bar classes and all that stuff. And I was so worried about kind of like losing that motivation. But those lives like saved me because I I was obviously like living with my two roommates whom I love and like we can really spend a lot of time together. But those are nice to like go in my room, set up my computer and like do my little workout on my own and get my alone time. Just like going to the gym, but obviously, you know, still at home. So mm-hmm. that definitely motivated me throughout quarantine. Mm-hmm. It definitely like broke up the day a little bit instead of just yeah. sitting there. I think that kind of goes into, you know, what I want to talk about next is basically your motivation because that's something that you always inspire me on is just, <laughs> you know, even when we're waking up and going to uh, class at 6 a.m. and you've already taught a class usually by that time, just and then going to then you going to work afterwards and dealing with people for the rest of the day is how you know how do you find yourself staying motivated to not only motivate others but motivate yourself well that's a really good question because it's not easy um caffeine helps a lot um but no um just i mean i really have a drive and a passion of working with the people i mean that's what kind of social work and sociology really really tell you is working with people and that's kind of the goal and i like connection i'm very extroverted in that way and so what recharges my battery is human connection so some people like to take time alone and you know 
that's great. I know alone time is, is important. And I, I still get my alone time in various ways, but what helps me kind of go about my day and really, you know, do things that I enjoy is human connection, the, the, the connection that you have between two people. Um, that's really what helps me, you know, and pushes me to, to do the best that I can, because at the end of the day, people are relying on me for a service and I have the ability to give them that service. And that's what I kind of feel like my purpose is, is, is to provide that service for them. Um, so that's what I just, I have, to, I have to be able to do that. And so at the end of the day, that's what kind of my mentality was, is, you know, I'm going to be able to help these people with the various things that they need, uh, making their lives better. And in the process, I'm kind of enriching my own. And that's what's important. And so there were days where I would take breaks and I would just focus on, you know, my own self, self-care. But throughout the week, it was still important that I would, you know, still was, was, was accountable for the things I was planning. So whenever I make a plan, I stick with it no matter what. And that's what kind of helps keep me sane and helps keep me the person that I am. Yeah. Sure. So when you were doing, you know, I mean, still are, I don't, I don't know if you've started teaching yet at your new. I'm still in kind of that, that training phase. Okay. Um, your studio is different in how they prepare people for teaching. And so I have my, I have my test out Saturday. So okay. hopefully next week. Okay, perfect. Well, whenever you were doing it in Springfield, like teaching, you know, classes and also job, how did you manage doing both of those things? Like what kind of helped you? So I do have a lot of anxiety. I mean, I have generalized anxiety disorder. So my anxiety can be high most days than others. And that is a challenge. It makes life harder for myself. But as someone who is a therapist and who is able to work with clients who also have generalized anxiety disorder, I can kind of learn a lot of self-preservation or it's not the right, the right word, but kind of self-administer how I'm feeling, mm -hmm. I guess. I yeah. kind of be a own therapist in a way. But also I go to therapy weekly. I'm still seeing a therapist. I think being in therapy is helpful for everyone to kind of work out their own internal struggles. But that was also kind of what helped me as well was being in therapy myself. Okay. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, because then it kind of goes into what I was going to talk about next. It's just all flowing. It's great. But I was going to kind of talk about mental health a little bit because I know that, you know, in our personal training sessions and even with like Rhett and everything, a lot of the times, you know, personal mental health would come up while working out because it all goes hand in hand and it's all... Yeah something that needs to be worked together. But how do you find that like when you're, you're saying earlier, like sometimes you need to, you know, take the breaks to just be for yourself. What do you do in those breaks? Like what kind of refills your energy? Yeah. So I, I meditate. Um, I dance around my house. Mm -hmm. um, I just spend time just being silly with, with me and, um, you know, sitting with, with me um, because people have their thoughts and people have their own internal struggles. But if you don't address those thoughts and you don't address those struggles, they're never going to, you're never going to see progress or see growth. Mm -hmm. So whatever struggles I was having that day, I would kind of just meditate on and kind of think about and kind of process. And then just really try to push myself to get out of those, you know, negative thoughts. A lot of times when I'm working with kids, I'll call it kind of thinking, thinking. So like the thoughts that you have that, you know, are so negative, we tend to stay focused on those thoughts. But for me, with my anxiety and kind of all the problems that you know we're facing within our society, um, the best thing for me to do is just spend time 
with others, but also with myself, just being fun and being happy and just being comfortable with who you are. And, you know, dancing around my house, folding laundry is what I do for self-care. Um, I meditate, I exercise myself. I try to eat healthy, but, you know, also eating an Oreo or two every now and then is okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm really just focusing on, you know, you know what what's going on in my mind and kind of what I'm dealing with and how can I apply that thought throughout my day and how can I make it better, essentially. Yeah. I think feeling your feelings is very important. If you're sad, let yourself be sad. I mean, that's why the feeling exists. Yeah. Because it's part of life. You know, if you're mad, be mad. Obviously, don't let those feelings overtake you or overcome, you know, your your rational ability to make decisions but still let yourself be sad let yourself if, if you're grieving let yourself grieve don't try to push those feelings away because that's how you know other problems get created by yeah. you know ignoring problems create new problems and so by letting yourself be sad by letting yourself be happy by letting yourself be mad you're just allowing for the human process to exist i mean it's what humans do humans feel Humans have emotions, they have feelings, they have thoughts. And by, you know, letting yourself feel those feelings and experience those thoughts, you're just, you're being human. I have to feel my feelings. I'm an emotional person. And mm -hmm. if I, and I know sometimes I will, of course, like, just like anyone brush off things. And then again, it'll just keep clustering up. And then all of a sudden I'll have a breakdown and I'll be like, oh, how could that over, you know, something stupid, like my waffle burning in the morning. And mm -hmm. then I'll get mad about that. And then I'm like, why am I so mad? And it's like, well, cause I didn't address my other problems before. And now mm -hmm. this waffle, it's all manifested in this waffle yeah. that burned. <laughs> how do you handle, you know, taking care of other people? And I know you said you go to therapy, so I'm sure that helps, but how do you find like taking care of other people while also taking care of yourself? Like what is challenging? What do you do to kind of so, I mean, throughout the day, I'm hearing people's problems. I'm hearing their, their traumatic experiences. I'm hearing, you know, what's going on in their mind. I'm hearing all of their concerns and all, all of their negative thoughts and all of the things that, are, you know, are going about their day and kind of affecting them. And over time, that can kind of take effect on, on others. I mean, in the therapy realm, I mean, you're, that can kind of be counter-transference or just taking on the client's problems but it's also like vicarious trauma it's like secondary trauma you over time can experience that um, especially when i was at the victim center um and hearing some of the stories that those children went through i mean those were violent and sexual crimes those kids experienced so hearing that every day or dealing with that every day can take a toll on someone um so it is very important to find a balance and to do things that are you know that allow yourself to you know take care of you um it's hard. It's challenging. It's not easy to do that work, but I knew that going in to, to my field. And I think that was also helpful as well, because I was dealing with people's problems since I was 15 and a half. And so I've kind of built a strong wall up and I think boundaries are also very important and to really check yourself at the door before you walk into your home or before you leave your office, what you've heard that day, leave it there write those thoughts down, write what you experienced down, let yourself experience it, but then, you know, kind of compartmentalize that, I guess. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, let that be in the office, you know, and then if you need to talk to a colleague or your therapist about it, you can, um, but don't try not to bring that stuff home with you, if that makes sense. I can only imagine how challenging it could be, especially working with 
children because of course like empathy and you're just like listening trying to be there but it's so hard sometimes to not take mm -hmm. on some of those emotions because a relatable person obviously you're in the field because you care about those kids so yeah i can only imagine how that can be because i know even just somebody telling me a sad story it like affects me a lot <laughs> yeah. does your company do your companies or whoever you work for provide like resources for you to all the places that i've worked at had a employee assistance program so they have you know therapy provided um obviously i have i have benefits as well so i have my health that you know allows me to go see a therapist, which is a huge benefit. And not every American has that ability, so I'm very thankful and grateful for that. But um, yeah, they always they always typically have a, a service of some kind that helps you if you're going through a crisis yourself, or if you just want time to just discuss and kind of vent with some of the things that you're experiencing from your clients as well. So that's nice. Do you find that the like? Do you find that your work with social work and like in your career and then also with your fitness career kind of overlap with each other and do you feel like they kind of go into each other at all or fitness and mental health are very um it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich it fits it fits well together because when i was at the studio by jamie kincaid i mean she's a good example of you know really putting you know mental health in with her classes i mean through her ignition class she kind of takes you to church to an extent um, in that she always has a theme or a topic that she really dives deep into. And sometimes it's self-love, sometimes it's compassion, sometimes it's just, you know, taking time for you or, or doing things for others and gratitude. And so I really learned a lot from her as well because I was able to kind of learn or kind of connect the dots, so to speak. The things I learned as a therapist, I can kind of put into my work as a fitness instructor. So, I mean, I can, you know, attach a message to the class that I'm teaching that day. So let's say, if I want to, you know, focus on, you know, the the word of, of patience, you know, having patience in class can be a virtue that you can kind of practice, you know, be having patience with yourself, because obviously, when you start fitness for the first time, you're not going to know everything, you're not going to learn, or it's going to take time for you to learn. And having patience is very important, because you need to allow your body to adjust to what you're learning, and give yourself some grace. And so, that's kind of how I, I kind of put the two together, if that makes sense. I always try to like give a topic or kind of give something, give a thought that they can kind of meditate on throughout the class. And then throughout the class, it's going to, you know, hurt. It's going to be painful. It's not going to be easy. But at the end of the day, at the end of the class, you've still accomplished it. You still did it. And so that's a good feeling to also walk away with as well. And, and by being in fitness and by being an instructor, that's kind of my saving grace because I'm able to use that as my therapy as well. I can, you know, put energy into those playlists, the music, just the people that that connection that inspires me to keep going and it motivates me to continue doing the things that I do. Yeah. So, so I know that we talked about, you know, you pretty much kind of understanding that you wanted to get involved with helping people through social work from a young age, but for fitness, what kind of made you want to go in and be a fitness instructor? What was that like? I think it was kind of the, the same the same side of the coin. I mean, just by helping people through their fitness and also helping people through their mental health, like seeing change in a human is just really inspiring because that human put the energy and the time and the commitment to do something with whatever problem they were facing. So, I mean, but say, for example, if you're going into fitness 
to lose weight or going into fitness to get stronger. I mean, both are, are reasons why people go into fitness, but then I think once someone's in that fitness realm or in that fitness world, they also learn so quickly that it's more so about their connection with themselves, not about losing weight, not about getting stronger, but just by being healthy and by being active, they're tapping into a new part of who they are. Um, and so there's many clients who have walked up to me and said, thank you for being able to help me, but it's really, you helped yourself. You came to the class, you did it on your own. And, and just that, that is huge. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, just the, the amount of things that people can do on their own, people are capable of so much. And I think we, we limit ourselves because we're, we're scared of what others are going to think, or we're just scared of what society will think, or, you know, what, what if we do this? Or what if we do that? How, how will it look? But I think people that push themselves and go the extra mile with whatever goal they have don't care about what others think to an extent. Obviously, don't be a butthead. <laughs> but I mean, still focus on yourself. You know, give yourself that love and that compassion and that empathy that you give others and really give it to yourself as well. Because there are many times where I'll hear people say, oh, I hate the way this looks on me or I hate my thighs. or I hate... But like, would you tell that to somebody else? No, you wouldn't tell someone that you hate their thighs. That's yeah. rude. Don't tell yourself that those those same things, and then that that goes goes along with whatever you're doing that you're that you're new at or that you are unsure of. You know, give yourself patience and give yourself some grace. And so, I've learned that over the years, and so my goal is to also help others learn that as well. And I feel like I do a pretty good job of that. Um, but again, everyone's different. Everyone has their own opinions and their own mindset. So it really just depends on that person. But that's always my goal at the end of the day: is just to be happy with what I've done and what I what I'm doing. But finding what is fun to you and sticking with it is important. Yeah. So that, that, that's pretty huge. Yeah. And I think, yeah, because that's my biggest advice for people wanting to, you know, starting to work out or even for myself when I start to feel too, like, unmo unmotivated to get up and do something. Usually if I just start, like, dancing around, like, listening to music and dancing around, <laughs> I'll usually want to continue and do a harder workout and do an ab workout or whatever. I think that's the biggest thing that I've had to learn throughout fitness is like not every workout is going to be, you know, an hour long of lifting yeah. weights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But okay. So where you're at in your life now, was this kind of, did you imagine yourself here or has your life kind of taken that turn? I know social work mm -hmm. was always there for you, but you know, what specifically you're doing now and stuff like that. I always knew since I was about 15, I wanted to be a social worker. I wanted to be in that mental health field. Um, I mean, I remember when I was a junior in high school, I did a presentation on like social work and kind of what it means to be a social worker. And it's really cool to look back now and be like, yeah, that's what I, I am that now. I'm living what I wanted to be. And that's a cool feeling um, to have. Um, but I mean, I would say where I'm at now is where, where I need to be if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, I mean, I didn't imagine myself in th these shoes specifically, uh, you know, as far as the position I'm in and kind of where I'm at in life, but it's where I need to be because it's where it's going to give me that next step or that, that next opportunity. You know, yeah. As I mentioned before, I would love to go back to school and get my PhD in social work and work on getting tenure and being a professor and doing research and just teaching that, that next generation of social workers. But I can't get there until I have one more experience and two, I finish the, finish the program. So those are my next steps. Okay. I would like to you know, face and 
go for that challenge. But what would you, what advice or what would you want to go back and kind of tell your past self who was just starting college and, you mm-hmm. know, first in your immediate family to go to college? What would you kind of tell yourself to give you? I like, yeah, I like that question. So, I mean, if I were to look back on myself when I was in high school or while I was in college, I mean, the words that I would tell myself may sound cl- cliche or, or cheesy, but I mean, life always gets better. It does. Things get better. Things don't get worse. Um, I mean, maybe they do for some, but if you really put, you know, positive positivity into the things you're doing and you focus on what things you want out of life, they'll come true. Um, you just have to, you know, push through it and do the work. And when the work is done, the accomplishments will come soon after. Yeah. And to just give yourself patience. Don't rush through things. Take the time to learn it. Listen to others. Listen to understand versus respond. And just be a good person. (laughs) (laughs) Good advice. And now kind of taking that on, but what advice would you give to people wanting to pursue a career in social work? I mean, definitely network, talk to other clinicians, talk to other social workers. If you're in the university and you have a social work program, get to know the program. Um, Volunteer is a huge way that they can be involved and kind of learn more about the role. I mean, social work is a huge broad, I mean, macro social work, policy work, lobbying, getting involved in social change. I mean, there's so many things you can do. I know so many social workers that work for Congress, Congress people and you know other other social social service providers and they love that macro lobbying lens not everyone's into that but again you can do it in social work so i mean just learning what it is you want to do and learning how you can do it in that realm volunteering is a great way to do that Um, i volunteered for several years before i went to college in a field that's that's very social worky it's not a word but i'm going to use it (laughs) Um, and I really enjoyed it. And so that's what kind of helped me know what I wanted to do. So I would say volunteering is a great great way to learn that process, but also just build those connections, talk to other social workers, talk to your professors, talk to, you know, advisors and just ask questions and get involved. Yeah. And then what would you, what advice would you give to someone who wants to kind of work on their fitness, get more in tune with their body and things like that? Definitely patience. Just have patience with yourself. Things will come in time. Um, If you are unfamiliar with what to do at the gym, talk to a personal trainer. Talk to a friend who's been going to the gym for a long time. Um, Go on YouTube, go on Instagram, follow accounts that, you know, address fitness and find what works for you. Bar worked for me. TRX works for me. I love to lift, but that doesn't work for everyone. Fitness doesn't have to be cookie cutter fitness can be whatever you want it to be i mean there's dance fitness there i mean dancing is a, is, a, is exercise within itself um i mean just going swimming going to the pool going for a walk going for a run do things that you enjoy if swimming is your thing swim if running is your thing run i don't like running but people <laughs> love it um so just defining what what makes you happy and sticking through it if fitness does not excite you at all then that's fine. Take small steps to get there if that's a goal that you have. But again, don't force yourself to do something that you don't want to do. Yeah, because then you're going to end up resenting it. And Exactly. And you're going to get burnt out. And you're not going to want to do it. There's not going to be passion for it. And I think passion and compassion and just you know being involved in what you're doing and being present in that moment is really helpful and really 
you know, it's good for you. But if you're not into it, you're not going to be present. You're not going to be learning from what it is you need to learn. And it can be, you know, a, a negative experience. And you don't want that. Yeah. So don't be afraid to let others see who you are because people that are important in your life will say, and people that aren't believe. And not everyone's going to like you. And that's also a thing I had to learn too, is not, not everyone's going to like me. And that's okay. It's not my job to make other people like me. And at the end of the day, that's exhausting. Just stop. Just like live your life, be who you are. And the people that matter will stay. And the people that don't, won't. And that's okay because you don't need those people in your life anyway because that's this negative energy. So where can people find you, Clay? Yeah, so I would just prefer Instagram. Um, but that's kind of, my handle is it's Clay Richard. Um, that, that's my middle name that I like to emphasize because when I'm in the field, I don't want people to look me up and find who, find my social media. So yeah. it's Clay Richard is my Instagram handle. Um, if people call me Clay Richard, then that means they don't know me because my last name is Stacy. Um, but that's also a good way to figure out, okay, so how do you know me? Instagram. Yeah, so that's kind of my Instagram handle. I have Twitter, but I don't really ever use it. Um, Facebook is more for, you know, just personal yeah. reason, but yeah. Instagram. Perfect. Give me an Instagram follow. Yeah. Yeah. I will have it in the show notes, link to your page and everything. This Groovy. was beautiful thank you so much for being on of here course. with me okay i love you part of life thank you so much love bye. you too have a good night bye well thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode i hope that clay inspired and motivated you just like he does for me pretty much every single day that I see him on any Instagram or talk to him at any point in time but again make sure you follow him on Instagram at it's Clay Richard and yeah go stalk him go see how much he works out and how good at he is at it and also just look at all his inspirational and motivational posts because they truly are inspiring and motivating I guess is all I can really say about that uh, but make sure you go follow him on there I'll have him linked down below make sure you follow me at loudmouthpod on Instagram I have a Patreon loudmouthpod on there as well and yeah follow me down below click all the links email me if you want to email me no one ever does so you know it'd be a nice little surprise it's loudmouthpod1 at gmail.com Make sure you follow me on here. Give me a five-star review um, only if you want to. Obviously, I won't pressure you into anything. But thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a good rest of your Wednesday and a great rest of your week. I will talk to you all next week. Bye.